0: Welcome to another episode of the Transformation Podcast. I'm Chris Sanchez, and I'm joined by Darren Davis, founder and senior leader here at the Harbor Church. Darren, today we have a very special guest and interview. It's with Mary Stewart. She is fantastic. She's bubbly. She's funny. She is full of the spirit. And when we started interviewing with Mary... I was just blown away, and I'm sure you could hear it in
1: the interview as well. So, Darren, what were your thoughts of Mary's testimony? I mean, wow, first of all, it's it's going to be a, a, a double dip here for, for those that are going to listen. I mean, two... Profound past that you guys took on this podcast, uh, I loved it so much because the first one I think really resonates with so many people out there. She talks about her journey to find that partner that that would ultimately be with her in life to share life with and and walk this journey with God and it was a long road for her i 'm um, not going to spoil that story, but the process of her going from singleness to marriage with John, and I had the privilege of of officiating their wedding, so I know it's all cool. the ins and outs of the behind the scenes of what went on with him and what was going on with her and just the miraculous bringing of those lives together. I think it's going to inspire people that are like, hey, where's that special person for me? Especially those that might be a little further along in life, maybe feeling hopeless. So it's going to be powerful. But then I think, you know, when she gets into her story, her testimony is is unreal. I mean, just how she had this this sincere desire, this this to be on this quest to find god which really leads her down this road into the to the new age movement ultimately and and again not to blow the, the the gem of like what takes place i mean in this earnest seeking god meets her in the most profound way it's 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 an epic an epic story and so we're just glad that you guys are here to to listen to this and 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 enjoy like a, really a profound testimony of a life transformed. <laughs>
0: This is a blessing. I'm so excited that you're here, Mary, to share your story. When when I say transformation, mm. right, it means something different to everybody. So when you hear the transformation on your life or, or on a life that God can do, what sort of comes to mind?
2: When you talk about transformation, we can have seasons where we see a lot and we can have times when it feels like nothing's happening. I'm mindful of how quickly he can move and how he's been moving all the time. You know, behind the scenes. So six months ago, I I hadn't even met my future husband, who I'm now. You know, I've got a big rock on my hand.
0: Incredible. <laughs> Take us there. Take us there before we even go back to how God touched you. But let's, let's, let's go back a little bit. Just the blessing that you know, over the last six months and the journey that you've taken mm-hmm. and now leading with a, like you said, it is a gigantic rock on your
2: <laughs> hand. It's extra shiny in the sea. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's remarkable and, and uh, just to, to, to see even in a year that I arrived in this country in August last year knowing that God said go and, uh, and not knowing what to. And, uh, and it's been such a faith walk. And then having gone back to South Africa for a couple of months and realizing that I was entering into a very serious relationship and that it was potentially marriage that, that I was coming back to, I, it was another leap of faith. That And even so, from August to August, I have, you know, he does take us from glory to glory and and stretches us in the the trust levels of of that faith. And I'm just aware of how amazing it is because there's nothing that I could have done to meet this man. It was so Jesus, you know, and even... What's his name? His name is John.
0: Okay. Of course. His name is John.
2: Mary and John. (laughs) Yeah, of course. It's too good. And... uh, yeah, just just the the number of of um, things that I would have hoped for in a man, and prayed for, and probably didn't even think I could have the 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 right to ask for. It's just it's heaped in 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 him, and and every day I discover more of the gift in him that Jesus mm. has been preparing, and and when I hear his story, and and it's hard sometimes in the weight to understand that. You know, he's not withholding. He's actually holding all things together. So to have someone at this stage in my life who's been through so much but has also been prepared for for me. So there's there's such a miracle in it. And I always knew it was going to be a beautiful God story. But I'm in the middle of understanding the magnitude of what he's done.
0: How did you guys come to connect how did that it connection was, grow and
2: just on a practical level it it takes a great friend to say a brave thing and my friend Chrissy said to another lady don't you have someone fabulous to introduce Mary to and I kind of hear that in the background sometimes but I don't pay too much attention to it and so it really was someone saying something brave and 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 almost verbalizing my prayer requests into the natural yeah And um, and then someone responding with, "Hmm, I think I do have someone that would be interested, and and someone that I just need to check with first. And then we we got we made an arrangement to meet at the most unromantic place, Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. You're telling me it's not a great kickoff. (laughs) Dunkin'. Hey. And I was yeah, and then he burns his mouth on the coffee, and I thought he was crying, but he was just in pain. And um, and you know, that old cliche. You know, that's how it goes. And, and so it was, a, it was a slow burn. I wasn't convinced um, at first, but, but he was steady and, and I felt I was being interviewed. And I was. I was being interviewed for the role of wife. Mm. And, um, and then.
0: You felt that. You felt. I
2: felt I was being interviewed.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And um, I didn't see any of the. Here's what's interesting. And I, didn't, I wouldn't have imagined this. I felt like I saw all the hard stuff first and then when and god showed well he, john showed me and god was like if you say yes to this i need you to say yes to this stuff first when i said yes to all the hard stuff of what i realized i was going to have to walk through and 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 join with all the beauty all the the softness all the loveliness was revealed
0: what was the hard stuff
2: well, the hard stuff is some of um his his person his character stuff that that I know we're getting, oh John's, hard John's stuff John's I thought hard you were
0: telling, I thought you were getting introverted and you oh no 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 looking introspectively okay no yeah. no you're great yeah John is the one they oh, have to get John
2: over. and probably and, and it's gonna be me too because that my stuff that rubs up against that it's like I saw that all first it's so it's, it was a complete flip on it's counterculture so he has a, a lovely man but these are the some of the realities that you're gonna have to sign up for are you signing up for that. And when I said yes, it was like, oh, all these other magnificent parts of of where we're compatible, and I would never have imagined that yeah. we could goof around in a supermarket and dance down the aisle. Like I didn't see that in him, and I didn't know that about him. Yeah. So I love what 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 I can see God doing in that.
0: Before we before we jump in <clears throat> mm-hmm. to
2: didn't expect to be talking about this.
0: No, no, it's great. I, I love that mm. we get led wherever we're mm. going. But Bef- before we jump into the past, talk about because i know my wife went through this before we connected and Mm. i know it's on the heart of a lot of christian believers Mm. women especially Mm. the i don't even want to say pressure but maybe like the earnest to find the one god has for them and that thought process can you take us through your journey briefly and now being on the other side of like Mm. this is the one god had for me
2: Mm. it's 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 such a big deal and, and it's been so much of my heart's cry because i've had a platform for, with women since becoming a believer I, because of my ministry stuff and i've i've had a platform and i've i've realized as much as it's my heart's cry i know that this is something that um that is going to be important for women around the world because of exactly what you describe we want jesus to be enough and, he, and in many cases, we get to that place where he really is, but we don't know what to do with this longing for the other and wanting it to be the right one, you know, wanting it to be God's chosen one for us. And and I think it was a hard walk for me because I came to Christ at 35, which is only 10 years ago. and wow. Yeah. And um, had ended a significant relationship that I was convinced was the one. And then he pretty much held me. You know, uh, there was a few uh, that came into my space, but nothing that came close to marriage.
1: Hmm.
2: Or, you know, it was, and it was hard to hold on to his promises because I would have, I knew that that was, and I remember aching and saying, I don't mind being single, Lord. If that is your will for me, I will proclaim your goodness and your love and and everything that you've placed in my heart. But then take this longing away. Then take the longing away.
0: A conversation, you know. Yeah. I think a lot of people, and I used to deal with this, and you can tell me if you did as well. I felt guilty sometimes asking.
2: Yeah, of course. Because you feel like you, you, yeah, you feel like you shouldn't, you shouldn't want that or need it.
0: There was a thought process for me of if it's the Lord's will, Mm -hmm. right? So who am I to ask Mm -hmm. on the Lord's will? Mm -hmm. And it's been a changing of like him really going through a lot of stuff with me about, listen. It's my will. Yeah. It's my will for you to ask this ask so I can give you these blessings that I want to give you, so good, I think I don't know I have people popping in my head right now, but you know that that that's they feel guilty asking onto the Lord when it's like such a lie mm-hmm. for them to see like you're not worthy enough to ask God for these desires, and it's like God's the one who placed them there for you,
2: and I think what happens, and I don't know if this is something you can relate to, but When something is that, that much of, you burns that deeply and, and the longing is so great, the risk of asking for it and not getting it is, is greater than asking because you think, then where does that leave me with God? Where does that leave me with God? So we stop asking because Mm. it's too painful to imagine he would deny us our greatest longing. So we'll ask for a parking space and, uh. And a lovely red dress, maybe. Yes. But because that's not a big biggie. If that doesn't come through, we can deal with that. We know God is still good. So It's, it's that vulnerability, it's a, right, mm-hmm. as
0: well. I mean, I don't know why we're ending up this way, but this I love it. This is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I read in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right, where Nebuchadnezzar's playing the music. They're supposed to bow mm-hmm. to the idol, mm-hmm. and they're confronted by him. And they're saying, if you guys don't bow, I'm going to kill you. And what they said, their their uh, testament to their faith, they said, and I'm going to look it up, but they said along the lines of, you know, our God will deliver us. Mm-hmm. We have faith in that. But even if he doesn't, mm-hmm. we will not bow to you because of the way that we believe in our Lord. Like, like their faith is not result-oriented, yes. right? Yes. And I feel like a lot of us feel like if i don't get this when i ask for god then i'm wrong with him. god yes yeah something's wrong with me or he's not listening to me or some a bunch of lies a, a bunch of stuff that's hard to wrap Unpack. your mind. Yeah, exactly
2: i'm so with you on that and i think if, I, if i'm honest there's there's there is a large part of that that gets in the way of that earnest of asking i think what started to happen when i look back on the process for me too is that you know, the, it, considering my age as well, it becomes very easy to to for people to not talk about it, like assume it won't and isn't going to happen. So I had to be quite um, intentional about, or when I get married, I had to bring that into language. I had to, as a way of declaring it to be true. You know, when I meet my husband,
0: when you meet your husband, <laughs> look at you, now, you're glowing.
2: So you have to say stuff like that, I think against what's coming at you
0: mm. you have had such an interesting journey mm-hmm. up to this very conversation and it's impacted me I know Julie loves sharing your story every <laughs> person that Julie tells you like yeah I hear about Mary mm. so if we can mm. let's kind of go back to the genesis of this journey and you know not not the very beginning because even though there's a lot to unpack there mm-hmm. as well but the mm-hmm. genesis of where you were and uh Kind of the environment and where your heart was before God really started to snap okay. into you and and make this transformation on your life.
2: Sure, it is. It is always such a, a gift and a blessing to share the story because it is. A, it's miraculous, and I feel blessed to be able to share it because it is. It's only God who could pull this off, and um, and I was at the age of uh, I would say maybe early 20s, I went on an earnest quest to find what I believed was God. And that led me down a very um, intricate and, and winding New Age path. So, um, And wh-
0: where are you living? What's the scenario?
2: Well, I finished university, and, I've, and I'm now doing my what we call our gap year in London. And I'm starting to read books by uh, Louise Hay. This is mid-90s, which is when New Age was really not mainstream. It, it's kind of peripheral in terms of um, awareness and popularity. So in a key book for me, and people may remember the Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield, that broke and started to really challenge people's um, thinking and ideology and, and and presented the notion that religion, any form of religion, really is a dogma that has been um, is archaic and has been um, created to control and suppress the intended enlightenment of man so there's a greater consciousness there's a universal um, enormity uh, that is available to everyone who will open themselves to the fullness of god
0: what is it about that thought process at that age of your 20s in in university Mm. you know Mm. what is it about that that kind of resonates well
2: i think in terms of how it came through in my life is that i i had always been a seeker at some level I remember in a diary entry, which I, I often reflect on because it tells me something of my younger self that I, I'm, I always, it gives me an indication of that truth, is that in this entry at, at the age of 18, I'm on the verge of going to university and I say, I have everything a girl um, my age would want. I have great friends. I have a loving family. I have a great Labrador puppy. I even have a boyfriend and a car. So what then is this hole in my stomach? And that suggests that the desire for the the inner fulfillment believing that there was more than surface that there's more than stuff and that what the world presents is fulfillment so um i had chased those things i'd gone after academic results i'd gone after popularity i'd gone after parties and boys but it wasn't delivering and so enter my mother who's having some kind of f- midlife crisis in her 40s weird that i'm there now but um so she's having some breakthroughs by people who are starting to speak principles of New Age belief, i.e., psychics and astrologers, etc., into her life. She then starts feeding these books to me. Mm. So you see, someone seeking a mother who's having breakthrough in in a breakthrough, and off I go on my quest overseas, where I am now free. I am finding out who I am, and here are these books giving me notions of the more the more beyond the world. And where is Jesus in all of this? He's tucked away in my heart from nursery school, or sorry, not nursery school, Sunday school, visits that I'd been to with my gran a couple of times. A um, An aunt, a YWAM missionary aunt who had prayed over me at the age of nine in tongues and I had cried. I remember not knowing what had happened, but I knew it was significant. And I remember not wanting to tell my parents because they used to roll their eyes at the Christian cousins and um so all those things were planted in my heart but they'd never been nurtured or encouraged so a relationship with jesus was not something i'd experienced necessarily and all i knew about was church and what i had heard of and seen of christians from the outside they had that and what was that okay so they had bad brown sandals <laughs> they had fishes on their cars yeah Okay. And then when I went to my cousin's weddings, they would have tambourines and dancing. That's the stuff I would see on the outside. And then I would hear my parents passing comment and negative comment and criticism around that in the car on the way home. Mm. So I couldn't attach freedom, love, joy, intimacy with the father, with what I was seeing. So those were the lenses that I was experiencing it from. But having said that, as I say, there was a a brave, beautiful aunt who prayed over me and let the Holy Spirit do the work there
0: so you've had then at this point a few exposures to the gospel, mm-hmm. but like you said before, it was tucked away
2: mm-hmm. and and even and if anything, I was running from it for you know whatever I remembered, it felt like it wasn't worth it was far from the truth, so that new age journey was was really about. And I always say this um, because it was an earnest seeking of what I believed was where I would find God. Mm. And but you were seeking
0: God, yeah. Right? You were seeking what what they were explaining to you as God. Yes. Okay. So you get you get these books and you get this information, yeah. and you come back. You move back to South Africa mm-hmm. where you're from, mm-hmm. and then who do you take this to? What what you get all this information now. You feel all these changes. You see mm-hmm. your mom kind of having, cool mm-hmm. Breakthrough. breakthroughs, right? Mm-hmm. So where do you go with that?
2: Well, here's what's interesting too, and I've never shared this, and it's just gone off in my brain, is that something about that, is listening to the, 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 the teachings around um, enlightenment and going after uh, the God within, was encouraging me towards a rebellion. And I have never, and I'm talking mm-hmm. about how it was showing up in my life. Whoa, that's kind of going straight through me. So I went I actually started to rebel and I'd always been such a good girl. I'd done things the right way and and even as I started to go this this it was such an encouragement along the, the teachings of these books was to chase your bliss, discover your true self and whatever it takes to get there, like go you know, explore. Explore. And you can see the darkness that can come into you into that kind of encouragement. And I've never, I've, ne- I've literally just seen that now. So where was I? I? came back from London. I've seen the world. I know the world. I need more. I've got my Marlboro lights. I'm happening, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm independent, uh, you know. And so off I go on a tangent. Where do I go with this stuff? I'm starting to explore who I am and what does that mean. So even sexuality, not that I was exploring You know, it was heterosexual. I was exploring different men, different relationships, and feeling like because this was encouraged, you know, the goddess within. And then when I moved from uh, from where I grew up in Durban to Cape Town for ten years, I journeyed quite closely. I got more serious about my spiritual quest. I'd say some of the rebellion kind of died down, and let's get earnest now with uh, finding the. That bliss, which is within, and it's 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 the God within. How do we how do we open that? And again, what's key is that the the encouragement in discovering self and discovering God is to go down um, whatever avenue is going to unlock that. So, in many cases, the teaching is to use a plethora of mediums. What would those be? Chakra healing, crystals, um, tarot. I learned how to read tarot, meditation excessive um yoga and and um shamanism even shape-shifting
0: so you had to do a lot of stuff you, well, were, you were constantly yeah
2: and you the uh, the the board is there go ahead and try a little something and 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 let it let it do what it can do for you but inevitably you're never fulfilled whatever those avenues you try you don't reach you don't reach the finish line it's insatiable I explored many of those things. But key to this 10 years in Cape Town was that I traveled and journeyed with a woman who was my sort of spiritual mentor and teacher, if you like. And she herself was way more experienced in, in many of these things and, in fact, had uh, gone through the rites of Songoma, which is the another name for witch doctor, you know, the the ancient healers that are... Cultural the African cultures in in Africa, but she became more than that because she did. She she also you know she would even pray at the beginning of our sessions, Mother, Father, God, and would speak to spirit. And she had undergone many modalities herself. the The Songoma rites. She was a, a a chakra healer. She she read tarot. She had many of these, and she was my teacher. And because she said she identified a gift in me, she wanted to check in with me regularly and we had scheduled sessions probably every fortnight and uh, I journeyed very closely with her and I had some amazing breakthroughs again I use that word because you do see things you do see things about your life you do see see things about your behavior you do see even in the spirit I remember some of the predictions that you made being accurate so there's enough there to keep you hooked and to want more and more and more so in that 10 years with her, there was significant journeying into into these new age paths and, and, and roads. And then towards the end, things really started to fall apart in my life. Where I'd had such a great and successful career, a wonderful relationship again. I was holding meditation classes. I was uh, leading people in their own inner journeys. So I was leading people along these paths. Yeah. And then suddenly things really started to unwind and unravel and what that looked like practically was on every level i can't think of a redeeming part of my life i had um bought a house with my then serious boyfriend that i was convinced was going to be the one we were you know promising our lives together but we that relationship ended and then i was stuck with a house without a roof because we'd started the renovation literally 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 no no roof so i was in the garage Work dried right up. I remember my car not starting. Health took a radical dive. I had an autoimmune disease, which I was was struggling with. And there was just no light. I can't think of, a, of any area. Of, I mean, I remember being in the supermarket wondering, what am I going to eat tonight? Cauliflower or chickpeas? You know, I had 20 rand, which is about 50 cents. Yeah, there was just no glimmer of hope. And I remember all the things that had brought relief before, like burning incense and doing my yoga stretches and uh, chanting more on whatever I did. It just got darker and darker and darker through the, through the cards trying to get some glimmer of, of, of hope. None of it made any sense. And it was just getting darker and darker. And I must've been sending out a cry. Just please help me. Please help me. Please help me. I've never felt depressed. I just don't, I feel I've been blessed in that way of not something that I've struggled with, but there was such a darkness at this time and when, everything and it really practically was unraveling and 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 I could find no hope within at all um
0: did you feel fear were you afraid
2: I was afraid and I was more than afraid I was resigned and what when I see movies of people in this place I always remember that and and even if I encounter someone now who I can I can recognize that space where you know when you're crying without the shoulders shrugging and the heart and the sobs it's just that it's just like your eyes leak, and there's there's no energy to sob the tears. It's just a it's like game over. I'm done. I'm done. There's it's so it's not it's it's almost like you go past heart sore and ache to what it's giving up, which which is a few steps away from saying well what's what's my it's life purpose, really worth yeah. and yeah. shall I just bail out? And I can't say I got to that place where I'm considering how to do that. That I had no value for my life. And the, that kind of crying that I describe, I remember this was the, the climax. My mom looked across at me and I just had that. We had we touched down in a plane. We'd been to visit some family and she and I were flying back. We landed in Cape Town and I just said to her, I don't know what the point is of getting off this plane. It felt like whatever's next in my life is so meaningless even the action of standing, taking my bag, walking. I mean, what am I, where am I going to and what am I going to do when I get there? Like it just, yeah. So I, it's so etched it in my mind that, yeah. that, and when she saw me with the leaky eyes, she just said, oh, you better phone your lady. And my lady being that spiritual mentor I speak of, she's like, oh, I don't know what to say to you, Mary, but you are frightening me. So she was afraid of what she saw in me in terms of the giving up and the resignation and the... Just the darkness and that the I was deadness
0: in. It feels Good like. word,
2: deadness. So she said, "I think you should phone and and chat to your 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 lady." And that is exactly what I did when I got home because she really was the voice of truth to me, the voice of hope. She would give me indication of, of what was going on often and give me some kind of advice. I mean, granted, it was often relating to a past life or some kind of. Uh, idea of what might be going on related to childhood she would have an insight from spirit around that or she would um, encourage me what chakras to to meditate on or open up or or what to uh what to focus on so she was my lifeline and when I got back home picked up the phone phoned her and said I really I'm I'm feeling like I'm at my wits end and she could obviously hear it in my voice she said let me tune in meaning she was going to Tune into spirit. She said, let me tune in and I'll phone you back. And um,
0: Now when you say tune into spirit, mm-hmm. what does that entail?
2: I guess the same way we would sit in the presence of God and hear his heart on something. She's going she's gonna to meditate and seek spirit on my behalf. What? And when we say spirit, so remember her prayer would be at the opening of a session, Mother, Father, God, spirit of light. So there's another indication that we're not going after the powers of darkness. Um, and so the notion that anything that we were up to was not of God, was bizarre. And, um, and that quest was earnest and that, that uh, intention was fairly pure. So she was going to seek spirit on my behalf and give me an idea of what she saw in the spirit realm. So the same way a prophet would see, she could see things. But obviously her antenna are tuned in to a I love how John Paul Jackson describes that with a um what do you call those things? Satellite dish. It's just tuned into a different frequency. And so she phoned me back and I'm waiting with pen and paper, still crying, tissues. And uh she said, Okay, I've tuned in and I've I've had a look and it's really quite dark, Mary. Which I obviously knew. But she just emphasized that and said, What I see is it almost looks like ancestral beings that are pulling on your life force and they're trying to take you out. Like they want something's after your life, which I could feel. And even now, knowing Jesus and, 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 and what goes on a bit better, I mean, that's just straightforward demonic attack. Um, and even the deadness that I felt, I guess it's very clear what was going on. And I think she said the spirit of death, you know, is circling. And then I said, okay, so what do we do? I mean, what, what what's next? Like, here I am needing to engage with with fixing this thing. What shall I do? What shall I chant? What shall I say? And she said, I don't know how to tell you this because I don't know how you're going to receive it, but it really is this simple. She said, I'm just going to give it to you the way I saw it and the way I heard it. And she said, Jesus is calling you. And I just said, what? She said, yes. She said, Jesus is calling you. And I said, do you mean the ascended masters? Because I'm trying to now make sense of it. My brain is, is the synapses are not connecting with what she's trying to offer me here because of the extent of work I've done, understanding the bigness and the enlightenment of the universe. She's offering me Jesus from my childhood as as a way to get through this so she says Jesus is calling me I'm like let me just understand that do you not mean the ascended masters remembering that Buddha and Muhammad and Kuan Yin even the Chinese goddess they're all on the same plane and she said no Jesus Christ is waiting for you at the foot of the cross and that sentence really is emblazoned on my heart and mind because I quickly had a visual of him at the at the cross. And it was also a sentence which I remembered vividly from my childhood. So it was like he just pulled that thing from the deep space that it was buried to the surface. And something in my spirit and my heart received that. Because of the the seed, I think, that had been planted all those years ago and just how he knew... In all his creative wisdom, what was going to access my heart. First of all, I mean the magnitude of using the only voice that I could hear. That she was the spiritual authority in my life. She did not, she had not acknowledged Jesus as her savior when giving me this message. He used her to communicate his love to me and how he was calling me. And then that sentence, he knew that sentence was going to resonate it was just like that. And I, it was just that simple. It was just that simple. And so while my spirit is catching this and something of that space in my stomach that I spoke of at 18 was holding on to that sentence. And almost now as I share it, I can see the stomach, just that whole closing up around that sentence, which now had come in to fill that place. It was, um, was going on down there, but my brain was just not, Able to compute what this was. And um, because this
0: is someone who mm. had always given you things to do. Here's a book. Here's some mm-hmm. crystals. Here is mm-hmm. something that you need to do to get to out of this journey. And mm-hmm. then all she says
2: is, Go to Jesus. Go to him. He's waiting for you. And don't phone me. Go to him. And that was frightening because this was my lifeline, this was my spiritual voice and she's cutting herself off. And again, I stress the fact that she'd not yet accepted Jesus as her savior. She had encountered Christians who were starting to share the gospel. She had recognized in them a spiritual authority she'd not seen before. She was fighting off demonic attack way beyond what I was experiencing. I didn't know this at the time because you don't share that with your clients. So it's just a pure miracle that he could get to me through her and the only voice. The only voice. And I say this again because I mean it. And I've, I've heard some amazing evangelists. And, and, I, and, I, and I've watched them with reverence and awe. And I'm constantly reminded that I don't believe I would have received the truth from them. Even, you know, as I observe the, 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 the way God uses these mighty men and women of God, I know that that was the only voice I would have heard at that time. And he used her. Powerfully, he knew you, yeah,
0: he knew you it's the enemy knows the power that of transformed people, yeah, and so it's not a coincidence that the attack was heightened extra just before, just before, and which is so which is so you look, we look at it in confidence because. It's the thing that mm. drew you. Mm. Like, like the more that the more that the enemy tried to get at you and tried to snuff you out, mm. you were you the whole time. God is pulling you and rushing you like a you know down a river right to Him. Amen. It's, my my the hairs on can you see my hairs? Yes, they're standing. It's <laughs> like it's incredible. And,
2: and my whole body's gone goosey again, you know. And it's, that's why it's so beautiful to share again to remember the magnificence of His pursuit that he went after me and even as we started our conversation talking about the one like he sto he went after me if i've never seen you talk about love that pursues and goes after you and wants to ravish you with the fullness of love like it's remarkable how uh, he designed his pursuit of me so uniquely and it gives it, it should give hope to so many who don't know how God's going to get to their loved ones or just feel like that person is impossible to reach. Mm. And I need to remember that because I have people in my life that I think like, how are you going to do it, Lord? How are you going to do it? And we shouldn't be doing how are you going to do it. We should be excited like, how are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? Because remember how amazingly creatively you got to me. I wonder how how you're going to do it with that person. And what's my part in that? Do I even have a partner?
0: So you you have this incredible experience. Briefly, just take us. What are the next days, months, years? What are they like? Because for years you have been under one thought process and one belief system. And now all of a sudden you've been thrust into true truth, right? Not earthly truth where there, there might be some breakthroughs. But this is like straight from the heart of God. So you hear that and then where do you go?
2: Well remember so I'm kind of top of my game in the new age walk really and so this is quite a and I'm convincing others about the truth of this walk. So it's layered in terms of what happens next. But um just the the, the vulnerability that you talk about and how how open I was to receiving it in that in that dark space, like I had nothing to lose. And so my prayer, as I finish, as I get off the phone from from Di, who's the woman I'm talking about, she's told me now to pray, and I'm trying to remember how to pray. So I'm going from meditative hands to prayer hands, and eventually I just throw myself on the bed. There's tissues and snot. It's all happening. Mm. And I say, mm. my prayer is, okay, Jesus, you can have my life because I don't want it. I don't really want this life. You can have it. Of course you can. And I want I want you and I to be real. I know spirit is real. I've had spiritual experiences and you know that I do things because they're real. So I need you and I to be so real. And that's my prayer. I'm going to choose to believe because I knew something about that before I see but I knew I had to choose in faith to believe. So I choose to in faith to believe in you and you and take my life. But you and I have to be real. So can that be can that be so before other people are involved? And with that prayer it was don't send me Christians. I'm not ready for Christians. I need it. It had that was my walk with him was you and me, and he was so faithful to that prayer and so gentle with me. So it, again, if we started off talking about romance and 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 the one he wooed me, and I would say almost for five six months it was just me and the Lord, and I I didn't so I didn't have a traditional way not not that any of this is traditional, but um, I didn't have anyone discipling me per se. I just needed him to be real in my heart and in my life. And I remember things in that six month being so beautiful in small ways that I would ask him for my car to start. And then he would just he would just show up in that way. Or I, went and I used to run around this village that I lived in because I didn't have TV and I was living in the garage. So I'd run and run. And then I ran past a little chapel, a sacred little stone chapel. And it said, services, 6 p.m., on a Sunday night and I thought well that's stunning I'll go at quarter past six so that no one smiles at me and makes me go to the cake sale and um, they did smile at me but um, they didn't it wasn't too pushy it was you know and and I, I don't think I could ever really hear what the guy was saying I just wanted to be I wanted to be in that space and I wanted to feel Jesus and and God and again in his wooing and amazing way knew that this stone chapel was speaking to my heart on in some way and so I remember the guy coming up to me the caretaker of the church and he said I don't know why I'm doing oh I asked him a question I said how old is the church and he said you know what I can see you love this space I don't know why I'm doing this but here's a key and anytime you want to come in here do that and it was one of those beautiful old vintage keys I felt like I'd been given a, a sacred key you know so that's where I would go most days and sometimes just lie on that altar and hold the Bible and say what does this mean I don't know what this means
0: what a I mean you can just imagine the joy that God must have had like yes now I get to show her yeah you know now I get to pour my love on her it's just like I'm feeling it you know it's just what an amazing flip a complete a complete flip and now you have experienced that transformation in your life and now you're speaking Mm -hmm. you know you're, lift, you're now you're pointing people towards truth. Mm. And it's mm. just like an incredible transformation. Can you talk briefly about that, about how that's been able to affect what you do now?
2: Yeah. You know, almost uh, almost immediately after coming into community, because it was God, Jesus and I for six months, um, and some of what I, the work that I had done before was around training, corporate spaces, as well as entertainment. I, I do what a series of one-woman shows that I'd been doing and speaking for at women's groups, you know, but motivation, upliftment, it was oh, I always at a heart for transformation in people, even before knowing the Lord. And so when I came to Christ, I was like, so what, what Lord do we do with what I do? And some of the material that I reference is not so great. You know, like, does some of that have to go? Does all of it have to go? I remember asking him in my heart, Jesus, what do I do with what I do? Almost immediately after coming into community, I, I went to a, um, a school reunion where I was asked to perform my show, Womanhood, which was um, for a bunch of women and some Christian girls who I had not been friends with at school for obvious reasons, were now there. And um, a, a woman and her hus- um, a woman had come in from Dubai where she and her husband lead a church. Halfway through doing my, my speech on womanhood, she put her head down on the table and I thought, well, she's either not feeling well or she's not enjoying this. But um, later in the day, she came out onto the patio where I was standing and she came up to me not knowing where I was with God at all. And she said pretty much the same words. She said, I had a, I had a word with the Lord inside and I, I promised him I would speak to you if you were standing outside. And now you're standing outside, so I have to speak to you. <laughs> and um, she said, and I don't even know where you are with God. And at that stage, I'd not confessed to too many people. I mean, I'd started to go to church, but I hadn't told my old school friends. So with wide-eyed, I just looked at her and I said, I've, I recently gave my life to Jesus. And then she said, well, he's telling you that you need to, he's going to use what you do. He's going to use who you are and what you do um, for him, for the glory of God, for the kingdom And with that, obviously, tears just rolled down my face because he'd answered that question so directly. And then she invited me to her church in Dubai the next year. So it was quick that I felt he wanted to permeate every part of my life. And nothing is wasted. None of what I'd been through was wasted because my testimony became something that I would lead with. And then the very craft, the skill, the communication stuff that I'd been doing was just re... Uh, focused. It was just refocused on him, and and with that, he just blew it up. And now you're here. Hey.
0: <laughs> it's been it's been such an amazing story. Uh, you tell it so beautifully. I just want to thank you so much for doing this, Mary.
2: Thanks, Chris. It's Such a joy. Bless you.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Transformation Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harvard Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.